Recorded during the plague year of 2020, this is the Andromeda Minute, a show where Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we go over one minute of the all-too-timely Robert Wise-directed techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. I'm Father David Mowry, chaplain to the Movies by Minutes community. Ah, <laughs> yes, basically the Bishop of Podcasting here. Uh, well, no, no, now let's, let's be fair. There yeah. is a Bishop of Podcasting. That's Bishop Robert Barron. He's Auxiliary Bishop out in L.A., and he has a great podcast, The Word on Fire show. Uh, that's on uh, YouTube, and he's got a podcast feed for that as well. He's kind of this generation's uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I would say. Oh, he's okay. doing the most to make use of the new technology. Uh, now, of course, I, I can't say I'm totally unbiased in my opinion. Uh, Bishop Barron was one of my professors when I was going through seminary, so uh, I really appreciated his teaching style and all the work that he's doing in evangelization. So I, I'm just the parish priest of yes. podcasting. Yes. We, we, there's, there's a bishop to take care of the heavy level stuff. <laughs> you're the Father Joe Rogan, as it were. So we're just, uh, yeah. Oh, boy, I'm not really comfortable with that comparison. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you could find two people no, more no. different than me and Joe no, no, Rogan. No, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I know. I know about, I know about the tattoos. Don't worry. I've heard about these. I've heard stories. Uh <laughs> Anyway, we no, we are always glad to ha- glad to have you on the show. Glad um, to be here. I, I I am always fascinated by your scintillating and uh, really uh, insightful views on things going on, uh, both on the screen and in the culture that derives from these uh, these many movies that we've been through together. Um, it's uh, this one. Oh gosh, this, this minute. It, uh, I, this this is the sad minute. Where we yeah, have to... yeah. It's, he pushes a button and kills a monkey. So it's just <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And then we had to watch it again in slow motion as if it weren't <laughs> enough, you know? I just, uh, gosh. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about the, 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 this minute starts with uh, they, pull the, they pull the drawbridge up on the, on the dead mouse and the monkey makes a little fist and then they cut away and we, mm. we, watch, we watch all the clotting form inside the, uh, the Space Invader monkey blocks on uh, Dr. Dutton's schematic. Which um, takes three to four seconds yeah yeah it's um if that is you know if we are positing that is how quickly this andromeda strain works that is terrifying yeah that's like gosh i mean i i think you could probably you know air crashes you last a little longer than that it's just (laughs) oh my gosh it's just horrifying because um, i mean how much blood is there in a rhesus monkey of that size do we yeah, think i mean it's like it's, it's gonna be half maybe yeah, yeah yeah totally definitely less than a quart yeah and yeah. so this this bug is turning that blood into complete sand in yeah, I mean, less than five seconds yeah i mean you think about you must have done that in in elementary school where they they fill up a um a, a peanut butter jar with heavy cream and you got to shake it and then you make butter Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you gotta shake that thing forever, and your yeah, poor yeah. fifth grader arms tire out. So yeah, you think about you know how long it took you to make that butter happen, and this is like <laughs> a shaking monkey in three seconds. It's just oh my gosh, and it goes to, like you said, sandal. It dries up. See, so, this is what Project Welfare was instituted for, in order to improve the butter industry. See, if we yes. can change this bug, we can revolutionize the dairy world. I can't believe it's not an alien invasion. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's just oh, horrifying. And then, and then I, 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 I hate to break, break the, the, uh, uh, the feeling here as we're watching the show, but 
how did Dr. Hall get, well, while the monkey was getting slowly coagulated or coagulated in four seconds, the last time we saw him, he was looking at a monitor with his mask and gloves and his fishbowl on, Mm -hmm. and he was holding a, you know, he was working on a baby. And the next scene that we see as as they're looking at this in slow motion, he's out of his suit. The baby's, you know, the baby, the baby is still in the exam room with the, mm-hmm. with the nurse, and he's watching it on another screen. So it's like, did he miss this first one, and so they had to do it on replay? I, it's very puzzling. Well, you see, Wise is, in the last minute we had on Wednesday, he's using that old film editor's trick where when you show an academic paper, that implies the passage of time. So by showing that cut from Brenzel Hobby and Greens, you were just allowing a lot of time to pass for the setup for this test, which, you know, doesn't translate one-to-one to the passage of time. Are are they buying this? Is this, <laughs> is this explanation really fooling anybody? Yeah, I, I don't know either, Jim. He, he gets yeah. out of that, that glove suit real quick. Yeah, there, I mean, there's always, there's this thing, they always do it in Washington, D.C. For this is I, I, I watch for movies that are based in Washington where people are running around talking like, um, uh, I forget, the, the, the fellow that replaced Iron Man uh, that was talking with, um, uh, that was talking with Captain America, where he said, "You know, pacing, you know, on your left," and he keeps pa- pacing him. They're having a dis- they have oh, a discussion. Oh, Sam, uh, Sam, Fal- Sam, Falcon, yeah. uh, Falcon, that Falconer. Is it, it's, it's it's the Falcon. I can't remember Sam's that, last name, but that yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that guy. Yeah. Sorry, nerds. I know they you're ha- all yelling at your podcast device yeah. right now. I'm, we're sorry. We're, we're, we're sorry. Bad Ma- we're bad Marvel followers. <laughs> but there's there's a bunch of scenes in Captain America. Anytime that they're in DC, any movie when you watch in DC when they're talking. People are having a conversation and they do one quarter of the conversation. You know, they're, they're talking about something and then the person responds. But the first time they're walking along the mall. Yeah. And this, the next the next moment when they answer the question, they're sitting eating sandwiches on the Lincoln Memorial steps. And the next sentence, they're in front of the Capitol building. And there's the next sentence. And it's like, are, are, do you just walk across the entire length of the mall without saying a thing? And, then and they're not to- even winded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like... <laughs> it's like what are you doing thursday um and then they get there i'm going bowling you know and it's like well that was 20 minutes ago that i asked you that question it, uh, but yeah that's that's movie where magic feel, yeah that's that's where this uh this time compression or time expansion is bothering me a mm-hmm. lot um oh gosh so it's yeah and uh hall didn't believe it was possible and he was hoping that they could find a cure to to stop a top stop a single clot but actually it's everywhere so they're going to have to find something universal and uh and dutton's getting a little bit out of his uh comfort zone here by by yelling at at hall that he doesn't know what the hellish thing is and um now this this minute uh this particular scene where we have hall uh looking at the monitor it freaked me out a little bit because in this moment james olsen looks exactly like my best friend's dad Wow. Uh-oh. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Alex, if you're listening, this is your dad. It looks just like him. And he had that uh, slightly receding hairline, that roundish head, and he was a very talented artist and graphic designer who would have loved to have been in <laughs> deep underground in a government lab. Wow. Uh, it was did, one of those did, things like, wow, what, what's he doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a stylish comb over like this? That's a very impressive. Uh, it, oh gosh, yeah. No, he uh, 
he does he does have an everyman kind of face though i mean it's very mm-hmm. i he's not uh, you know what they call conventionally handsome he's not a he does everybody in this movie maybe arthur hill would get would get the handsome award but everybody in this yeah. movie looks like just a regular you know average joe or jane um i i'm particularly fond of and i've said this many times before i'm particularly fond of ruth levitt she seems like yeah the most realistic person because you know she's like oh the hell not with this, this one. alabaster temple yeah <laughs> you, you, of all the people you want to go have a beer with i think ruth is the one on top of the list it's yeah. like yeah i don't i don't, don't want to hang around with you know um dr stone oh, he boy. seems to be, be a such very a poli- buzzkill yeah he's such a politician and stuff and mm-hmm. and charlie dutton just wants to go home and watch the golf channel he doesn't you know he, he wants to retire to alaska and watch yes. the caribou prance by, past his bedroom window exactly yeah well he sits down and puts together you know model ships or something like that he's he finally... would have a model ship you're absolutely yeah right. i think he'd have so i think dutton. he'd have He'd have a he'd have a whole stash like a, a closet full of Aurora models and Ravel models, mm-hmm. and he'd be putting together B twenty fives, and he'd have all these little paint bottles, and oh, absolutely, and looking stuff up online and saying, "What was the Ninth Air Force? What was their tail members like?" You know, he'd be doing all that. I can oh, see yeah. him doing D- that. Dutton would have been one of the pioneers of Usenet. I mean, yeah, there, there's oh. no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, he'd be you know D dog or something. I don't, <laughs> I, just, uh, but uh, you know this whole well, th- that is that is something. You no, know, to, to to your point about the the everyday ordinariness of the people in this movie. You know, that's very 1970s. You know, I remember uh, Steve McQueen doing an interview talking about Bullet, where he wanted to have that cinema verite feel yeah. to it, and so in Bullet, Steve McQueen's character, same name as the movie, goes and talks to a doctor, and that doctor is not an actor. It's a real doctor. And wow. they got that doctor, you know, they told him, well, this is this is what's happened to the patient. And this this is the the things you're seeing. So this is what the you just give this information to Steve McQueen like you would to any other cop. And uh, that was something very much of the moment in this era of filmmaking where we wanted to get away from the big, glitzy, show-stopping Cleopatra-style movies away from the artifice and to get something very real, which is something that really serves the Andromeda strain really well because we're dealing with something that you know it, it's pretty fantastic what we end up learning about the the bug behind is like well, it's just so outside any other category of, of scientific thought anything else that we understand about how uh, the propagation of life interacts with you know without certain elements and to help the the fantastic elements of this like the xenon lamps and the underground bunker and all the rest you have these very normal looking people because I, I think uh, wise was wise to show scientists not as um, you know, glitzy superheroes, but as ordinary people who are dedicated to their work and have uh, and has he has these actors that demonstrate that through their performances. Yeah, and and they're not like they're not all buddy buddy, but they're mm. not. There's no. There's no bad guy. This is man against nature. It's there's no bad guys in this particular one. They, well, and they, they I don't fun. know. Some have, the, some of the folks in the White House aren't exactly helping things. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think like they're acting counter. And really, as we're gonna find out later, that they were <laughs> actually the smarter ones. Um, but it it's it's like they it, it it's it's so much like real life. You get along with some people, but they're talking behind each other's backs sometimes, and they're yeah. like. Oh, can you believe what he said there? And blah blah blah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and they all they all know that they don't have to be friends. I mean, I get the feeling, 
you know, uh, uh, Stone and Dutton have been, have been longtime friends. They worked together at Berkeley, right? But you know, and, and like you said, Hall and uh, Levitt, they've known each other. And you know, Levitt said, "I've had a washer from afar." She probably <laughs> read about him in Page Six and think, "Oh, you're dating, uh, you know, uh, uh, Raquel Welch was out uh, at your at your oh, pool the well. other week and wow. stuff like that." So you know, you gotta, but uh, you know, and Hall. I think in this movie, Hall is our organizing sensibility. Originally, I would have picked Stone. I thought Stone was kind of like getting dragged into it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've got to I've got to go go with these two gentlemen from the Air Force and go do my thing. But Hall is Hall is our 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 Luke Skywalker in this. I think he's the one that we have to identify with and be. We have to be Hall, at least in, in in a lot of this film. Yeah, he is. He is slightly the audience insert character because he has intentionally not read any of the preparatory material and so he therefore gets to be the beneficiary of expedition dumps early in the film in order to set up uh key plot points that will pay off later but he's also uh the character who has the most i would say normal reaction to the situation i'm in the middle of surgery i've got i've got a patient <laughs> right here on the table what the, what the heck is going on you're to break scrub. He's very frustrated as he goes out and he's very, you know, flippant as he starts off the time there. And his attitude throughout is that of someone trying to maintain a sense of humanity where he wants to see uh, the old man and the baby not as subjects, but as patients. And so that further grounds us to his perspective, because as audience members, we are looking for a character with that kind of warmth in the midst of this very cold medical um, situation. Yeah, and, and the weirdest part on that is he's really bad at it. I mean, he's not right. He, he's not good <laughs> as, at, as you know, we talked about on Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it, it's he's he's uh, they all have their own flaws. I mean, he he wants to. I think he, the, the the impression that we get from this is he joined up because somebody said, "Hey, you want to be part of a super secret government project?" And he's like, "Yeah, how's the pay?" Yeah. <laughs> Do I get everything every month? Yes. And we'll send you some brochures through. Oh, sure. Good. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Brochures. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Put it on the stack. Um, so <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, I'll be able to do that. Maybe go to a, go to a seminar once a year and they'll be talking about, you know, the search for alien. Like, oh, I can go sit through a seminar on that and we'll go to a symposium, maybe get a paper out of it. But yeah, but he's not, you know, he, he never thought it was going to happen that, that he was ever going to be part of it. This was like, you know, he, he was going to go fight polar bears or something that were going to be invading from Canada. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, whenever that happens, just give me a call. I'll, I'll be right there. And oh, wait, when you said aliens, you meant, oh, see, I thought you, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, my misunderstanding. Uh, just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel so, so embarrassed right uh, now. You know, it's, it's like worrying. Yeah. So he, you know, he never thought he'd be drafted on this thing. So, mm -hmm. and, and now push comes to shove and, he's he's still angry about that i think there's still that but now he's getting into the point where well i might as well be a part of all this i've had all my uh you know hair burned off my skin and uh, <laughs> but, but he's yeah now he actually has to start thinking about what's causing this and i'm never sure like well it's not that he, he's caught up with with the cause even from the beginning he's looking at this from a medical doctor's point of view which is always oriented toward <clears throat> diagnosis and prognosis Yes, we got to diagnose the problem, but then the next step that he's trying to move to perhaps too quickly is is the prognosis. How do we treat this? How do we cure this? Yeah. And Dutton, as the good 
uh, research scientist says, okay, well, all right, hold, hold on there, Mr. Applied Medicine. We've, we've got to figure out what the heck this thing is first. But even that, even Hall's desire to treat the thing, I think further endears us to his character and further cements um, us as a viewer of sticking with his perspective because we, as the audience, we want the thing to be treated. We want the disease to be cured. And we are with Hall, like, yeah, let's figure out how to fix this thing. And it's people like, stone who we chafe against because of his grinding meticulousness yeah and and, and stone as as things start unfolding we and they don't really go into it here as much as they do in the book but stone has very dirty hands in this whole thing because he knew that the way that he was getting money for this whole project was it wasn't about saving the you know this isn't a nasa project this is a department of defense project and part of it is to protect against the bio-warfare that was secretly, secretly going on with the Department of Defense. They were out looking for a superbug that they could use and weaponize. And he knew all that, but he was like, he's kind of like Werner von Braun in Nazi Germany. It's like, well, I'm just experimenting here with rockets where, you know, if they land on London, it's not my fault. You know? So he's, you know, I think Stone made that same devil's bargain that he was mm. like, well, yeah, I'll get lots of money and we can build a whole lunar receiving lab downstairs. And if we happen to find any particular viruses that you could wipe out the enemy in four seconds just by inhaling it, well, you know, that's just, you know, you can't make an omelet kind of thing. So it, it's, you know, all of that, they could have, I mean, I keep thinking of this movie. It's it's a two-hour movie, but it really could have been a mini series now if if like netflix or hulu had picked it up this thing would have been miles long i mean i, I could see a 12 hour uh you know diving into what else was going on to to make the andromeda you know to make wildfire happen wasn't this story adapted again recently like within yeah. the last five yeah. years or so i think the, sci the sci-fi channel worked on it and they uh they, they went into all kinds of they went into a lot more stuff that didn't need to they were doing like love stories and things like that and all the you know like ah. uh inter and, and but there, yeah there were there was a lot more um uh, germ warfare kind of stuff going on but they they got way into the personalities, which we really, we really don't touch upon too much here, other than you know this guy, this guy's uh, the head of Berkeley's biology department, and here's his assistant, and this woman works on uh, blood cultures, and this guy's a famous surgeon. But other than that, it's kind of skin deep. It's it's kind of like Law and Order. You know, you really don't know much of the the history of the Law and Order people, but you see them all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're they're really superficial on this one, but I think that could have gone on a lot deeper dive if it had been like a, uh, you know, a 12 hour um, Hulu series. Mm -hmm. um, but just something that, you know, so someday they'll revisit this again. And if, although I don't know how they will listen to this podcast and they will realize, yes, what were we thinking? Of course. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, just, just what people want to talk about plagues. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, my, uh, my sister is, uh, in school studying musical theater and they're just having a terrible time of it given the, the current <laughs> pandemic circumstances. But the joke that she and I are always making is, you know, what does coronavirus the musical look like? Uh, what what are the what are the plays and shows that are come going to come out of this time? And you know, my sister always says, "I I don't want to see those shows. I don't want to read those shows. I don't want to be in those shows. Even if you paid me to perform in them, I do not want to have anything to do with it." Oh gosh, yeah. There's going to be like four masks uh, six feet apart. There'll be yeah, all kinds of um. Oh my god, yeah. I don't. Want, yeah, you're right. I I agree. I'm I'm on, totally 100 percent on your sister with this. It's definitely. 
<sighs> but yeah, I I I can't. I I know that, and but you know that in like ten years, they're going to make it a thing that there's going to be a plague movie, and there there'll be something. <sighs> and hopefully yeah. there will be people that won't remember the plague because they were too young. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, but yeah. In the meantime, we're gonna have to suffer with. Uh, a bunch of books that will hit the market and how we conquered the plague or how we didn't conquer the plague or what we did wrong and all that kind of stuff. So just uh, more books. The writing of books, there is no end. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Well, this has been a fascinating week and I appreciate you very much being a part of this. Father David, you always, you always bring so much to the table. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I just wanted to offer one last uh, reflection, just what I'm, I'm noticing uh, in this particular minute there and then I think it it speaks to something in the movie as well. There is so much in the movie that stresses the separation uh, from between the patients and the infected and the scientists. Yeah. And there is the fear that is generated because of that. The patients are treated very carefully. They have separate elevators they go down and you have all the layers of decontamination that the scientists have to go through to try to be as clean as possible down there on level five. And just to, to foreshadow a little bit of what happens at the end of the movie, all of that separation generates a culture of fear even inside of wildfire that uh, almost ends up causing the inadvertent uh, death of Dr. Levitt. And yeah. well, I don't want to spoil anything coming up, but the there is always that separation. And I, I think there's a lesson for us to learn from that, where eventually that that separation is overcome first by Dr. Hall and then by Nurse Ansem, who we see here, who's able to be uh, talked into proximity and close contact, which are things that are very anathema to us here in the, the year of the plague. But the day is saved because that fear is overcome. I think that's yeah, some, it, it's something for us to, to reflect on as well. We have to do a lot of separation right now for safety, masks, washing of hands, six feet apart, and all the rest. But that separation ought not to lead to a culture of fear. We are doing that for safety, but we're always doing it not for ourselves. We're doing it for the other. I maintain distance. I wear the mask not for myself, but for you, for the other person, because there is still that social bond. There is still that common humanity that unites us together. And so while the separation makes me feel more isolated, if I, if for me personally, if I remember that I'm doing that for the health and safety of the people around me, that maintains that necessary social bond. It's very easy to retreat into the fear that the separation suggests, just like it does at wildfire. But the only way that we're going to uh, turn that separation into something that is truly for the good of the other is by remembering that social bond that still unites us. Agreed. I mean, in this particular minute, as we end the minute, uh, Dutton is overcome with how upsetting every, all of this stuff is that he, they don't have a they don't have a handle on it yet. They're really upset. He doesn't he doesn't, they haven't been able to isolate uh, this this alien presence. Right. But he he kind of shakes himself and says, of course, we will in time. And I think we all have that hope and we all have that. It's beyond hope. It's a knowledge that this is a temporary thing. Everything passes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we've been through, there's, there's been plagues through all of human history and we've been over them. We get, we get over them in time. 
and it, we don't like we don't have to like this part at all but we yeah. are going to get over this and i think having that attitude that we, we will get over this but we have to do all those things that we talk about at the end of every episode uh if we do those things it'll go away and we just have to have the patience to get through that mm-hmm. next part um, yeah, that's so, why i like the last shot of this minute with nurse ansom cradling the baby that there is just that scene of human warmth and tenderness that while nurse ansem has no doubt been chosen because of her expertise because of her ability to follow protocol her ability to be a team player and to put the needs of the mission before um you know personal needs still she recognizes this baby is still a human being and still needs something as close to to human contact as is possible in this moment so i will pick up this baby and i'm going to cradle it and provide this you know very uh, charming scene that further emphasizes the terror and the tension that's here because we just saw a monkey die in under five seconds, and yeah. you know we don't. This is this is what's at stake for us. Even all the way underground in wildfire, this kind of human contact, this kind of human tenderness is what we are trying to safeguard by everything that's happening with isotopes and magna scanners and test results and all the rest. Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny that despite all those, you know, the optical effects and the, you know, the multi, the multi-image things, the simplest image here of, of a, a woman cradling a baby and and while well, an old man sleeps, that that simple image that Robert Wise is able to show you here, it gives you the stakes, it gives you the story that's coming ahead, all in one, all in one simple scene. So you, right. you know, it, it's nice to have all the special effects and things, but just a simple composition like that just really touches your heart. Seeing, okay, this is what we have. This, these are the things we have to worry about. Um, but just a, a beautiful, a beautiful film made by a, a really great director at uh, in, the, in the latter part of his career. But still, he he still has it. That's mm-hmm. that's what's impressive. Wow. Well, again, Father David, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your website where people can hear more of you. Sure. Like I mentioned on Wednesday, you can find me at fatherdavidmowry.com. That's F-A-T-H-E-R David Mowry, M-O-W-R-Y. Uh, I will have all of my podcast appearances on the very mo- various Movies by Minutes shows there. Uh, you can uh, click away to your heart's content and find hours of hours of me bloviating on subjects that I have no business talking about, just like in these minutes. I don't, I don't <laughs> know nothing about science. I'm just, I'm just a big movie fan and a general nerd. Uh, and if you want something that's a little more au courant, something that's a little more up to the minute, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Father Mowry. That's at F-R-M-O-W-R-Y. Wow. Yeah, of which you are a follower of uh, our particular Twitter site. Thank you very much. We're at uh, Andromeda Minute. Uh, always on uh, social media. You can also find us on uh, Pro- Project Wildfire, which is the Andromeda Minute Listener's Lounge. Uh, if you've missed any of our previous sites, any of our previous shows, they are always available on any of your favorite podcatchers like Apple Podcasts or uh, Google Play, uh, and of course on our big site, andromedaminute.com. We will return next week with more, uh, gosh, more, uh, hopefully we'll be getting, we're, we're on the downside of this movie, so we're hopefully getting closer to uh, solving the mystery of uh, the Andromeda strain, but uh, we'll be checking back with you on Monday, so be here uh, over the weekend. Please do those three things that keep us safe and make this plague go away. Uh, wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay six feet apart just to be safe. Uh, anyway, we'll see you here next week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you here next time on the Andromeda Minute.
Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here. 